Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hello, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing an expert on emerging technologies, a TEDx speaker, and the author of several books, Myra Roldan. Welcome, Myra. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're thrilled you're here. This is a pretty new topic for both Chris and I. And so we can't wait to start to get into blockchain for instructional designers. But before I get ahead of myself, like I so often do, we'd love to hear a little bit about you. Oh, yeah, definitely. So first of all, thank you for having me and for the invitation. Uh, This is fun. I love talking about emerging technologies. (laughs) So um, my name is Myra Roldan. I am a technologist and I have been in industry for, I was doing a count, I think 20 years right now, um, hardcore in tech along with um, an additional, um, you know, in that space, in the learning space for about 15 years um, so I focus on emerging technologies. I've done everything from um, augmented reality to virtual reality, playing in the Web 3 now, um, back in the day when it was Web 2.0 and the emergent from like Web 1. And so it's been really interesting to go through and see all of these uh, technology emergences and just riding the wave. That's what I'm really excited to hear a little bit about. It's kind of fun as you start talking, even going back to things like Web 2.0. It's been a minute since we've really used some of that. And here we are. Here we find ourselves talking about blockchain. So we got to start there. Because when I hear blockchain, and I bet when a lot of people hear blockchain, you start to think about things like, say, cryptocurrency, which tends to be how we hear it. You know, if you're listening to, you know, radio or watching TV or something, and it's part of the conversation, you, t- you start to hear it in terms of that. I have a feeling that is not where we're going today. So I'm really curious to, to learn from you. What is blockchain? Yeah. So as you mentioned, mentioned it's, it's a fairly new technology, right? And it's shrouded in all this mystery and everyone who knows blockchain or have heard has heard of blockchain has heard of it, heard of it in the context of cryptocurrency. Yeah. And I've been playing the cryptocurrency kind of game since 2012 and <laughs> I have learned a lot in the process because I've lost big and I've kind of started to understand the underlying technology and now that it is more mature Right. Even though mm. it's new to everyone, it is it has gone through some waves. It's not something that was created like two years ago or three years ago. Um, blockchain has been around for a while. And so blockchain is a network technology. So think of um, your Wi-Fi right at home. That is a network technology. So when you connect right to your wife at home, you're connecting to a network that's somewhere in the clouds, right? You don't know where Mm -hmm. that network is. You don't know (laughs) beyond your router where you're going. So blockchain is what we call a peer-to-peer network. Um, And peer-to-peer just means that it's a bunch of devices that are connected to each other. So it's a bunch of servers that are just 
communicating with each other um, out on the ether and the, you know, on the clouds. Sure. And uh, that peer-to-peer network is, you know, those devices on that network are known as nodes. Um, and those nodes share information. So I like to give the analogy. Um, this is a, like, I came up with this analogy, I want to say like five years ago. Um, so think of um, a Google Doc, right? All of you have potentially used a Google Doc, right? Yep. Let's think about a Google spreadsheet. So let's say I create a Google spreadsheet and I share it with you, Stephanie, and I share it with Chris, um, and I share it with Helena. We all have a copy of, we all get, when we open it, we're all opening that same Google spreadsheet. Yeah. So we are essentially in a peer-to-peer network with that Google spreadsheet. So huh. any changes you make, I can see. Any changes I make, you can see. Um, and that is essentially a very <laughs> high-level idea of what blockchain is. It's like this ledger, right? It's a ledger on a peer-to-peer network that is updated by computers, and what goes into blockchain are transactions. And transactions are anything like buying, selling, transferring, um, trading, cryptocurrency, or digital assets. Interesting. And I have to say, this is one of the first times I've heard an explanation of blockchain that's resonated with me. I think the example of a Google spreadsheet is a really strong one. It, you know, it kind of starts to piece together some of these terms and the concepts. So I'm wondering too, I knowing kind of what blockchain is, what the structure is, how it's typically used, tell me a little bit about what that has to do with training. How can we use the concepts or the structures of blockchain in training? Yeah, so there are, you know, so researchers have done um, some, uh, I would say proposals of potential uses for blockchain. Um, The number one use case that we see today is digital badging. So you can issue a digital badge that's backed by blockchain. So you can use like a service like Credible or Credly and a Credible um, to issue blockchain backed badges. And what that means is um, that badge, when it's issued, it is um, there's a what's something called a smart contract. So think of a smart contract like a regular contract, right? Where there are conditions that have to be met in order for both parties to come into this agreement. And once the con- that those criteria are met, then you can issue that that badge, which is like your currency, right? Um, so when you issue that badge, it's because the learner has met the criteria that has been set out in that contract, in that smart contract. So when that badge is issued, um, there's an automated process that sends that transfer of that digital asset, that that badge, to the blockchain to get verified and validated. Um, And it's validated by um, miners. So miners are just computers that transact thousands of transactions per second 
to validate skills. And so they all have to agree there's like a, there's an algorithm or a puzzle that they have to solve that they agree that this is a valid transaction. Once it gets validated, it gets encrypted and it gets added to the blockchain. Wow. I thought so I knew technology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat, Chris. <laughs> Yeah. So it's the underpinning, right? Like you don't have to understand or you don't have to like do anything special for it to get on the blockchain. Um, You're just essentially sending it to the blockchain when you, when you're using a service. And it's that, that things that happen in the background that help it to get verified and added to the blockchain. And once that badge is added to the blockchain, that learner can add it to what's called a digital wallet. And a digital wallet is like a normal wallet that you carry your money in, but it's digital, right? Like it's not a physical thing. Yeah. And what's stored in there is a the encryption key for that digital badge. And they can have the image of the dig- digital badge also. But that encrypted key, that learner can now share it with a, an employer, a manager, um, with an institution, higher education institution. And they can verify that directly on the blockchain. Hmm. So there's no third party, there's no intermediary, there's no service that needs to be um, contracted to to kind of verify these credentials. So we don't have to like write a check to our college and two weeks later get our transcripts shipped exactly. somewhere? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, then it, does, it never makes it, right? Then it never <laughs> makes it and you have to write another check. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now, can you give an example specifically for instructional designers? Yeah. So, um, you know, the badging is one, right? Because it's a good entry point. It's the most used, uh, most popular use case right now for L&D. It's like, let's issue a digital badge that is backed by blockchain using one of these services. And it's an option. It's an optional um, kind of service that they offer. Not your badges don't have to be blockchain backed. You can just issue regular um, badges, but I think where the currency comes in, where where it gains currency is by being blockchain backed, because then the owner, the uh, learner owns that. Another use case for it could be around. I love this. Um, in 2016, um, I saw Jay McGonigal deliver a keynote um, at a conference, and she shared this whole idea of peer to peer issuance of. Um, credentials right huh. so um i teach you a skill stephanie i teach you how to shoot hoops we spend five hours and i'm teaching you how to shoot hoops basketball hoops right yep teaching yep. you how to shoot basketball hoops in five hours you get really good at shooting those basketball hoops i can issue you a digital badge that says stephanie is now you know, she started starting down the path. She is a level one basketball, you know, shop maker. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I would proudly display that if that were true. <laughs> so the LND is kind of the same thing, right? That digital badge is an entry level because not only is it, can you issue it, it, it has currency now, right? Because it's a digital asset that you issued that is verifiable. It's not, it's no longer just a digital badge that can be anyone can screen cap and add it to their profile <laughs> <laughs> and they can claim like, cause no one's going to verify it right now, but now you have this digital badge that is verifiable if it's blockchain backed. 
I'm kind of reminiscing of like Girl Scout days. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. It it totally is. Like you can issue badges for just about anything that's blocked. So funny story. So uh, my friend, uh, Betty Danowitz, um, from, if you ask Betty, she's, uh, she's amazing. She does a lot of AR work. Um, but Betty, um, has been going down a journey recently. And so I decided to be a kind of cheerleader for her on her journey. And I've been issuing her (laughs) blockchain backed badges for every milestone she reaches. Oh, wow. What so, a great idea. <laughs> so there are some criteria for her to earn a badge. Um, you know, so we kind of establish what's the milestones that she needs to reach and what are the things that need to happen in between that. And then we verify that between ourselves. And then I issue the, the blockchain backed badge, which then gets th- goes through that whole process is added to the blockchain. But then someone can verify that she actually earned that. That is a really interesting case. And I'm wondering if you're seeing organizations building anything like that. I'm almost thinking there could be use cases for achieving certain milestones within an organization, taking certain, you know, certainly trainings or or things like that. But I'm wondering, is that the kind of case study, case scenario where you're seeing perhaps organizations are building their own sets of credentialing, badging, that sort of thing. Um, How are people, how are organizations starting to adopt this? Yes, I can tell you that adoption has been very slow right now. Oh, I'm not surprised. Cutting edge always is, right? Yeah. So um, there are companies that are using services to issue blockchain-backed badges and certificates for completion of courses or training. Um, There are some universities. So MIT had a a consortia of um, other institutions where they built their own blockchain infrastructure to issue uh, blockchain-backed credentials. Um, And so then they were verifiable. So there's no longer you know, the need for the third party to verify those credentials. Um, so that is a great use case that can be adopted by other, um, by like organizations. You don't need to build your own private blockchain mm. infrastructure. Um, there is a public blockchain um, and that's the whole point of blockchain is that it's peer-to-peer verifiable without third-party intermediaries. And so having a, a blockchain that's private, that requires some special access in order to verify a publicly issued credential kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because blockchain is about transparency. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking, I know one of the places that I have seen badging of sorts is really through LMSs. So, you know, for for a long time, that's all been part of gamification. So you do something. The same thing. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you do something, you earn a badge, it becomes something you can kind of proudly display. And it sort of lives within that LMS environment. And I'm wondering, well, I guess it's almost too kind of a two-part question for you. Is there any interaction or is there there any connection between how blockchain might be used to verify to you know provide badges versus what might exist in an LMS um, LMSs of course tend to be private so you're not necessarily going to have that public aspect that transparency but I'm wondering have you seen any sort of interaction between the two or are organizations even at the point where they're thinking about that or um, is that something that maybe is to come? 
Yeah. So that's an interesting question. This is a question I get asked a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mentioned those services like Credly and Accredible. They actually integrate with your LMS. Um, and so, really, yeah, they do. That would be a game changer. I think a lot of organizations probably knowing that, you know, you, you, there are so many people who are very proud of the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And when they get recognized, sometimes they don't want that recognition to stop within the organizational infrastructure. You want to be able to let people know about those achievements. I would definitely think that'd be a game changer. Yeah. So I think that so I, I, I have mixed feelings on it, right? Because yeah, LMSs uh, sure. are closed systems. Yeah. Right? They're closed systems. They're not publicly available. So when um, you you have uh, an integration with, let's say, a blockchain mm-hmm. uh you know, blockchain, a provider that can supply blockchain backed some sort of credential, right? Um, it is up to the institution to decide, you know, is this something that they're going to allow their, their, you know, users to use in the, in the way that it's meant to be used? Or are they going to put some additional securities and lockdowns on it? So then that credential can't be shared externally. So, I think it comes down to every organization to decide how they want that to happen. I think that um, being able to ha- to have an open system, right, where you can, all right, so if you do this integration with your LMS, your learners, your em- the employees of that organization that are achieving, they're receiving those achievements, should be able to carry those achievements with them beyond that organization. Oh, Yeah. Right. And I think that's not happening right now. I think it's because the system is closed. Um, a lot of we don't see, you know, organizations that are using some of those blockchain backed credentials um, who may be toying with it are still using it within a closed system. So there's no transparency. There's no portability. So there's no learner autonomy, meaning that the the owner does not own their own credential um, and their own um, kind of records. And that's where um, the contradiction comes with blockchain because blockchain is about putting power in the users and the learners' hands so they can self-verify. They have ownership of their credentials and they can self-verify those credentials, meaning they can provide their wallet ID or the credential ID to an employer and that employer can go to like blockchain.info and verify that credential. So blockchain.info is one of the blockchains that's publicly available that can be used to, to you know, to add credentials to. Um, and it's the most popular one along with um, uh, there's an Ethereum blockchain also that can be used. Um, and so if you are unable to just take that credential, and just verify on one of those blockchains on whichever one it's issued on, um, then it's a closed system. Yeah, And so the learner no longer has autonomy over their records, right? They no longer have ownership of their, of their records. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Credly and I didn't even realize it. So our chapter received a badge via Credly. I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For you know, all of our, um, our programs can be used as CPTD credits or APTD credits as well. That's right. Yeah. So cool. So we we've blockchained. <laughs> is that, well, not is necessarily. That uh, yeah, you can make it a word. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily blockchained because it all depends if that if that credit that badge that they issued is blockchain backed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, I'll have to check it out. 
Yeah. And, you know, I believe that the CPTD credential itself is, although, again, that would certainly be something to look into. I know that a lot of our listeners are CPTD certified or are considering that path. So that's that would be an interesting one to look into as well. Yeah, that would be such an interesting use case also. So if you can issue those, you know, um, uh, certifications or badges or credentials that are blockchain backed, right? That then someone can put into a digital wallet, mm-hmm. right? And digital wallets, that's a whole nother conversation. Sure. Um, and we could touch on it. We can touch on it briefly, <laughs> but like this, this portable, think of it as like, it's on your phone. It's digital. Mm-hmm. It's just like another, you know, app that you have that holds your digital assets. Um, but being able to self-verify that. So someone, so they no longer, you know, if they go to an employer and say like, oh, I have my APD, um, APTD certification, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they can issue the, the employer says, okay, let's verify this. They can just open that app up. The employer can take, take a scan of the QR code or whatever of the verification, the encryption, and it should be able to pop up on the blockchain. They can say, okay, yeah, this is, this is legit. Oh, that's awesome. Look at the time you save too. I know. You know, all of the emails, the phone calls, the filling out forms. <laughs> I mean, for me, that's another part of how this is really game changing. I had not considered that as a benefit, but I know how much time goes into verifying that kind of thing. So to be able to self-verify, to be able, you know, in an interview, for example, be incredible to save all those steps. Yeah. Yeah, can you be? Can you imagine being able to like self verify all like all your PD units, all your CEU units, your certificates, your degrees? Oh, that would be awesome. Just, just on you know what I mean. Just by being able to provide um, a code that can be then Uh placed, entered into like a website. (laughs) Yeah, and all stored in the same spot. That would be cool. And there's no. And there's no third party that you have to send a request to. And then like, wow. like, oh, the name is misspelled or, oh, the date of birth. The misspelling of name always happens to me. Like, I, I think <laughs> oh. I had to send for my, when I uh, took a, uh, I remember taking a job and they had to request my transcripts and they misspelled my last name, which always happens. Oh. I always get from Roldan. I get Roland. Yep. Um, mm. Yep. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was like a hundred bucks for each query. Right. Oh my yeah, God. it is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap. So no, and that's, that's for one credential. That's that's a pretty impressive e- example as well. You know, I have to say, I'm I did not know very much about this coming into today's conversation. Now I'm pretty energized by I it. Know. I want to learn more. <laughs> I want to start looking at how I can incorporate this. So I'm wondering for. For others out there like me who are thinking, wow, never considered this, now have to only consider this. I mean, this is great. Where would an organization start if they wanted to incorporate blockchain technology into their training programs, into their organization? Do you have any tips or or considerations that people might want to keep in mind? Yeah, definitely. I would say start small. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's my first piece of advice is start small. Start with research, yeah. right? So do your research. Research providers that are out there. Do some background checks on them on their security. Um, verify, you know, where can, you know, if you do, if, if you have a service provider that can help you issue blockchain-backed credentials, 
find out like where can those credentials be verified? How are they verified? How are they issued? How do the learners use them? How do they store them? Um, ask questions, right? Don't just jump on one just because I mentioned it or someone else mentioned it or do the research. Um, and also to ask about integrations, like does will it integrate with your LMS? Will it integrate in your environment? Are you going to do a standalone solution? So go through and do a full discovery, right? Um, have your own organization's needs analysis kind of prepared, like what is your current environment? Um, what is your expected issuance rate? What types of experiences do you want to use it for? Um, how will you, you know, how will skills be validated? I would not use a blockchain back credential for a completion certificate for a course. <laughs> yeah. You know, right? um, I would use it more for a performance based um, setting where someone has to demonstrate a skill because then you are adding currency to their skill. And so you're validating a, com- a competency instead of just validating that they completed something by clicking next and answering a few questions. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And it's always important to ask questions and, and make sure it fits with you, right? Even with recommendations. So I yeah. love that. Awesome and, advice. Yeah. And then set a budget because it's going to cost, yeah. you know, like what's your budget? What are you, what are you, how can you pilot? How can you create a pilot to gather data, set KPI, KPIs bef- so you can decide if it's the right solution before doing a full rollout. And that's where I see a lot of L&D fall flat is that um, that failure to pilot usually is like, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do it full fledged. And, (laughs) (laughs) and so there's not enough data and when it fails or it's not done right, or there's something that needs to be fixed, it turns into, it kind of blows up in people's faces because they didn't create a two-way door, meaning that there's not, they can't back out of it and fix it. It's more like it's yeah. already out there and <laughs> it's, you know, it's They're one invested. of those moments. Yeah. Where, yeah. You, where your heart just drops. So like pilot. Oh yeah. man. I mean, we could talk about this for <laughs> probably hours. <laughs> Unfortunately though, it is time for rapid fire. Oh, fun. I know. So at the end of every episode, we like to ask rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. So are you ready? I think I am. Yay! (laughs) Okay. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. Okay. So it is my all-time favorite book. It's The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Mm. Um, He wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul also. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I, I read this book in 2004 and um, he, Jack Canfield just provides like a framework to help you achieve any goal that you set. And so um, I think it would be an interesting experiment for others to try it with uh, setting goals and, f- you know, with a framework that they can use around like learning roadmaps and oh, yeah. things that they're going to try to achieve uh, within their organization or for themselves um, directly. So I, my copy of it is like dog-eared and bent <laughs> all over the place because I love that book so much. Oh, nice. Okay. What's a, one tool that you cannot live without? And it doesn't have to be a tech tool. Oh my God. I'm going to sound like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a, uh, 
one of these new generation <laughs> kids. It is my phone. <laughs> they are um, amazing. It. And it is not nothing against the new generation because I adore them all. But my phone is it is my calendar. It is my um how I check email. It is how I do quick research. I, you know, I have my ring camera attached to it so I can check on my puppy yeah. when I'm not home. It's everything. Um, yes, yeah, everything. It's like my <laughs> stealth tool, right? So uh-huh. it's entertainment. I can watch movies. I can, <laughs> you know, I can connect with people on social media. Yeah. It's, I do not use the phone feature on my phone as much funny? as I do everything else. <laughs> Isn't it funny too how like you leave the house without it and you get a little nervous? Like, oh, I left it. I left my oh, phone. I never leave my phone. <laughs> You're, are you nuts? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> I love that response. <laughs> okay. Final question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So this advice came from, I like to talk to um, people in retirement homes. I like to go play bingo. Um, and I remember I had this woman, she must have been about in her 80s, um, and I was serving her shots and we were chit-chatting. And she said to me, um, we were t- she was asking me like what I do, and she's like, you know what, honey, don't, um, don't pigeonhole yourself. Like, don't put yourself in a corner. She's like, give yourself space to grow mm. and always be real to yourself and others. Keep it real. Right. Don't sugarcoat stuff. Be honesty is the best policy. Be open. Be honest. Be you. Um, and that's always that always stuck with me. Um, she, my little drunken old lady who I was <laughs> drunken because I was giving her shots. But uh-huh. uh, <laughs> I was going to ask what, what kind of shots are we talking about? <laughs> oh, she she loved tequila. Oh, for her. Yeah. So and live so, life to the fullest, too. Live life to the fullest. I mean, bingo nights are a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Having played with my grandparents a long time ago, I have to say you are 100% right about that. And I think some of the best advice I heard came from similar groups. So <laughs> that lady with the tequila, though, is goals. Is yeah. she not? <laughs> yeah. She, you know what? She really is because every time she would see me, she would she would always ask me, it's like, are you giving yourself space, honey? Like I told you. Oh, so, I yeah. love the reminder, too. It's not just a one and done for her. It's a remember, this is a lifestyle. Give that, give yourself that space. Yeah. That's she, wonderful. I think she thought I was too stressed out. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's still her voice. Her voice <laughs> remains in your head. I really love that. Give yeah. yourself some space and have some tequila. That's what yeah. I'm hearing. I, that's, <laughs> that's what it my- really should have been, right? <laughs> You know, ordinarily, I'd say that would be my takeaway, except for Myra, you have given us so much today. I mean, you have taken a very complex topic, and I think what you've done for us has made it approachable. I would not be surprised if a lot of people are on their phones, because really, who can live without them, looking up what they might be able to learn more about, what they might be able to do. So thank you so much for bringing us into this world and for giving us an opportunity to start to learn more about this. Yeah, definitely. My pleasure. And I hope, I always get worried that it's such a big concept that, and I tend to get so deep in the weeds that I'm going to confuse people. So hopefully mm-hmm. I was able to provide some good examples. I think your advice to start small really will hit home with a lot of us too. This is brand new. Give yourself space, you know, Bring it full circle. Give yourself space. 
walk into it, don't run. I, I really, I, I do think you, you help to make it feel very approachable. So this has been wonderful. And of course, Chris, thank you so much for being a fantastic co-host. Oh, this has been great. I had absolutely no knowledge of blockchain before this, and I think I have a better understanding now. So thank you. (laughs) Yay. I'm excited. We are too. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review.